And people often think about, oh, well, if I do this mindfulness, if I tell myself that I'm, I, I like who I am right now, then I'm just going to get complacent and I won't have a drive. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mentors. Today we have on Neil Falora, a mindset coach, speaker, founder of Feel Good Now, and icebreaker. Today, we'll be talking about the brain and the neuroscience of changing, how we can hack our brains and rewire it for the better. This was such a fun conversation to have, and I honestly hope you get as much out of it as I did. Welcome back to Mentors. I'm here with Neil Falora. Neil, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I am so pleased and honored to be here today. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, of course. So I really want to dive in because you know so much about the brain and I want to learn everything I can. And it's all about, you know, you do a lot of like mental coaching, life coaching, you know, about positivity and how it can influence you, greatness, all these things. I want to dive into it on a scientific level and like an emotional level and like try to understand. So like, when we have viewers, because most of these, I'm hoping, are going to be like younger kids. I feel like the more that they understand the brain, and the more, and the more, the more anyone understands the brain, you can then use that almost to like trick it or rewire it. Actually, you talk about rewiring the brain I do. a lot. I do. I do. Even the more that you, I think, for me, the more that you understand the brain, the more that you're able to hack it. Quote unquote. Yeah. But what I really strive for when I speak about the brain, and I'm by no means like the world-leading expert, but, it, but because of my own um, story and my own journey, I kind of had to go and, and really understand the brain and seek out ways to move my, my life, my body, my health forward it, through brain science, um, is exercising a certain level of biological forgiveness, right? Because a lot of us, what we ha- what happens is, is that we have things that happen in our lives, and then we, we end up owning that. We take, we take personal responsibility. We say that we attach a label to ourselves and say, that's me. That's who I am. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say gently to people is, is that however you've shown up and how, whatever results you, you produced up until now, a large part of that is part of your biology, really. And instead of fighting against it, there's a way in which you can work with it and produce different results. But it's never going to be like this overnight thing, right? This is a, it's a process. So. so it's like when someone had an experience, you're saying that defines them and that becomes a part of them, but then there's a way you can rewire it. Correct. Like experiences, like it's extreme, but like experiences like trauma or or like a, sure. like, or great events that happen and maybe like after that one great event, something dipped down and you're like, what, what happened to me? I was this. Why am I like this? Uh, absolutely. And I think the thing that's hardest for us to um, sort of get past is that most of us really identify with our thinking brain, right? So we think we are our brain. So that statement by itself <laughs> for a lot of people would be like, what are you saying? I know. What, what, is, what does that mean? Are we getting to get woo-woo here and we're going into like the ether of, you know, philosophical or meditation, which that's a whole other subject that relates, relates to brain size, actually very powerful. But um, what I mean by that is, is that we over-identify with... Um, our thoughts in the way we're thinking, right? So, so that's that's sort of a challenge. Number one is is that how do you kind of separate yourself from um, what you think, all of the thoughts you have going on? There's actually a neuroscientific basis for that. It's called metacognition, and really, metacognition is thinking about your thinking or your brain being able to observe how it's behaving. Um, so it's, it's sort of a neutral uh, bystander effect, which has which is really interesting because this is a part of the brain science that I love is that it has a science portion, but it also has a metaphysical portion because in meditation they talk about this, but they talk about it a different way. They call it being mindful. Mm-hmm. So wait, if we're not, because again, what your statement was like crazy to me. So if you're not your thoughts, then what are you? Well, actually... <laughs> Then, then again, you have, you do have thoughts that are like, you know, that's not you. So say like you're in a situation and you just like a person's annoying you. Like, I really want to punch them in the face. And you're like, that's not you. That's another thought. But then again, you have to boil it down to who are you? And then how do you separate yourself from your thoughts and what thoughts can you pick and choose and become a part of you? Right. Right. And this, this idea of who we are is really so related to our thoughts. So it's, a, it's, di- it's challenging to explain that space, but I can explain it simply by saying, if you've ever thought of play- a time in your life where you were like doing something and you were 
excelling at it, right? You were just doing it and thoughts were coming. Maybe you were playing an instrument. Maybe you got up and to talk about something passionately, right? Maybe you were problem solving and things just started to fall into place, right? You know, for you. I can guarantee you that you weren't thinking about it. You weren't in your head. You were somewhere else. You were down here vibrationally and it was just flowing, right? You used, we, before we started this, you used the word flow, which is a huge word in my world because when you're in flow, um, like I used to take um, guitar lessons. I want to get back and take that. Mm -hmm. um, and I would get so, I would practice at home and it would be great. And then I would go and my teacher was an amazing teacher. Um, uh, I start to play and then it would start to all fall apart. And he goes, you're thinking about it. He goes, stop thinking about it. And he kind of snap at me. And it would make me really, you know, and I get, I'd get upset, but I knew he was right because I had put it up here and instead of down here, right? So there's some of that separation. Where that is biologically, I don't no. know. I don't know. I mean, I've heard about the, the subconscious being more powerful than the conscious. Right. Is that what, is that what that's about? I can't, I, that part I haven't, I, I can't really say, and I'm not sure there's probably somebody out there who's who has thoughts or feelings about that but it brings up an important point another important point it's like about your subconscious mind or your unconscious mind so like all of us have smartphones right and so you don't think about when you click on your smartphone like all the things that are in the background that are that are happening that when you click on a tile of an app and it does stuff right for most of us we don't think about that well that's the other challenge about who we think we are is that at the base of your brain is the cerebellum, right? Mm -hmm. And that cerebellum is basically your operating system. It is all the internal agreements. So, so this happened to Ava, this didn't happen, this, this has happened to me, this didn't happen to me. When I do X, I'm, I'm successful. You know what? When I usually go up to bat, I swing and I miss and you know, all those things that agreements, things that have happened over time and those agreements become self-conscious. So you have agreements about who you are, what your personality is like, what you're good at, what you're not good at. They're all down here and those things are I would say are autonomic, autonomic or automatic, right? And so you don't have access to those, but that's the big challenge. So one of the things I like to say to people is, hey, people are so worried about drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Like getting somebody else's thoughts, not being indoctrinated. You're making and drinking your own Kool-Aid every day. And it's being manufactured down here in the base of your brain. Oh, for so scared. <laughs> You're like drinking Kool-Aid. I was like, you don't want to die. No, no, okay. no not, not the freaky kind of cult Kool-Aid, but you okay. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel, I feel. Okay. So, so if, if back here is all that, how, wait, how would you put that simply? All of the so, so I would thoughts. just say your 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 operating system is in the base of your brain, in your reptilian brain, the oldest part of your brain sits basically who you decide who you are and yeah. what you decide. Um, you're good at, not good at, all, all the things that, you, that things that happen, have happened over, to you over time, yeah. um, you've made an agreement about those, right? And they're so all back here. They're all back here, right? Yeah. And so if you, like, if you took that away from the human being, would we be left with like, a, uh, without a sense of personality? We wouldn't know who we were. We wouldn't, well, I feel like we might fall to the floor and not operate, but. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I actually have, I wrote a talk for mindfulness that actually has this idea in it. And what I say is, is that, is that I, what I pose the question that, um, is the womb state, the state that you're in the womb, is it the ultimate, is it, is it blissful ignorance or is it the ultimate state of mindfulness? If you could experience the world with, with, without, um, your prior experience, you'd be playing on a field that would not be highly edited by the brain. One experience would not dilute another, right? So it's hard to imagine that. But what I'm saying to you is, is that I think that's where kids operate. My two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, they model so much of what I'm striving to get back to. I think we, we have all the answers at a young age, and then you know our learnings tend to cloud some of the magic and the, the limitlessness that we have. But I think I do think that a large portion of a challenge of of um, of who we are and our, our ability to create and, and, and do the next great thing is clouded by the fact that this this brain down here is editing our experiences. So imagine yeah. imagine that as you get older, um, the reason that I'm I'm I know I'm I'm going in, in a different direction, but the reason mm -hmm. even the reason that some people say time goes really fast is because they're living in the pre in the in the future or in the past. They're living yeah. from things that are in here and not in the present moment. And it's honestly, I've been trying to work at that. The present moment is 
almost so hard to grasp at some points because you know you're here and you know that you're here but it's hard to like really experience and feel here because I know some people like they'll hit their chest or like they'll kind of like do this and be like I'm there I'm physically here right but otherwise it's so difficult and then when you were talking about the editing and like wanting to go back to a child like I think it's mainly because anything could be anything because when you were talking we were talking earlier about like this is this and this does this and that's and you said that was great for like being able to file things away in functions and you know what to do now and it's fast fast but when you're little like I could make I can make anything out of that because I don't know what it does yet. I don't know what what it's supposed to be here for. Right, absolutely. And a, a, a trick that I like to use or a hack that I like to use to bring yourself in the present moment is maybe even set it on your watch or your phone or whatever else, but a little ping two or three times a day that says, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And is it health and life affirming? Right, Because the challenge is, is that your emotional brain, your limbic brain will start to hijack you and take you out of the present moment, right? So you take a moment to arrive. Actually, um, my wife and I recently um, went to see a screening of a movie called Walk With Me. It was about Teach Nithan. Are you familiar with him Mm-mm. at all? He's a Buddhist monk that has written about 17 books, traveled all over the world. Yeah, That's awesome. he, he's That's awesome. met with dignitaries, presidents, Buddhist life is virtually no possessions and practice mindfulness. So the most awe-inspiring thing about that whole movie is is that in the kitchen, they had a sticker and it said, I am truly home. And that's something that my wife and I talk about a lot, about wherever we go, it feels like home, right? And they um, practice this at every quarter of the hour in the plum village that they the, the bells go off. It's like church bells. And when that goes, they say, they, they take that moment, they call to arrive. That means just to be back here. Keep refocusing themselves right here, right now. So like the only relationship I have in front of me is you, Ava, right now, yeah. right? I don't, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do later or the things that I need to have done. I'm just here focused on you. And so it's a, it's, it's a practice, right? It's not a perfection. And then how do you... How would you go about practicing that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes through simple little things, like washing your hands. I mean, this is, sounds corny, but, but if you, you could go in the sink and, and you could wash your hands, or you could, like, feel the steel uh, or the aluminum or whatever that this faucet is made out of, right? You could feel the coldness of that. You could feel the tension as you squirt the soap up. You could feel, how, if you're even imagining it in your mind, when, as you're really doing it, feel the, what it feels like to put the soap on your hands, the, the water as it's changing temperature, as it's warming up, or whatever else it is, as you're washing your hand, the roughness of the of the towel. It's like you choose, do little things during the day, every day, things that just seem extraordinary. Even in the movie, there was this guy who was watching ants move around little bits of food, and he was just like so in tune with that. He was sitting and he was just smiling at that, but that was just helping his brain be right here. Now, most of us, and including myself, are not willing to trade my life and give away all my possessions to no. do that. But I think there's a blend where you can use those techniques and still live in this material world, right? Yeah, live in the present. I mean, even, it doesn't have to be material. I have, you know, friends, because, you know, I'm a junior in high school. Right. Junior year's tough. And I'm, I'm chilling, I'm breezing. But I have these friends that they're doing so much and they're never enjoying where they are. It's always, it's always about the future. It's always stress of this, like... This, my gr- my grades, my classes, homework, and it's and they never know how to be grounded. And I feel like if anyone can learn how to become more physically grounded, and again, it's hard. It's hard, especially right now, because you know, I like there's computers, there's like there's lights, there's all this. Um, there's our phones, right? We, oh Every, my goodness! Yeah, it's what what do you, it's like all this stimulus. It's like yes. when you're a kid and you're at Chuck E. Cheese and there's lights everywhere and just ah. <laughs> It's you never, perfect, you never, you, you can't focus on one thing. So I feel like, and again, again, it's, it is corny to say like, get rid of your phone, get rid of all this and that. Like, but, and again, it's not like forever, but maybe like for an hour, you just kind of sit and just, it's calm and you, and you are taking that time to wash your hands. You know, like. Or wonderful apps. I mean, there's, I have, um, people use Headspace. I like Insight Timer, you know, whatever you choose to use, um, there are meditations on there that are guided meditations that are one or three minutes. I mean, it just you don't have to sit in like a you know ohm pose for an hour and a half every day to 
define centeredness. It can be 30 seconds to a minute, just getting your brain to calm down and be centered again. The really cool thing about it is, is that um, they've now studied people who do meditation via MRI imaging, and they can they can show that people over time that do that that do meditation actually decrease the size of their limbic system and increase the the conscious part, the the white matter, the the cortex of your brain. That they can see physical differences with meditation over time. And then, what does the limbic system do, and what does the cortex do? Yeah. So. So those those are really important. So the limbic system is by far in my in my book the the center point of, of everything for us. It is responsible for the emotional response. Basically that's the that's the short answer. It does many things. But in the emotional response it also is going to end up secreting lots of um, hormones in your body, right? Serotonin, different things that come out of the limbic system. Um, feel good chemicals, um, chemicals that are for also chemicals that will will induct fight or flight fight or flight right mm-hmm. um and so it's it's um mental you can kind of think about the limbic system as a two or two and a half to three year old toddler it really behaves and responds and understands things from those viewpoints it really does unlike your your thinking brain which is your your cerebral cortex that's what you're listening to me right now you're looking at me you're processing things with that's what your thinking brain that's what we think about when we think about a thinking brain but here's, here's the amazing thing is, is that emotion is the entire currency of the brain. So from what I say to that is, is that every neurons that fire together, wire together. So that's a actual um, little neural, neuronal proverb. But what happens is, is you have an experience, you collect the experience, you collect the emotion, and those become like physically linked in your brain. Neurons synapse together. They form new connections based on every memory that you form. Really? So like... I know this is like a very kiddish example, but you know you know the movie Inside Out. I've heard of it. I don't. I've not seen it though. It's all about this um th- this girl and she's moved and she's basically experienced a lot of emotions. Okay. So she has these very primary emotions because she's like she's like ten or eleven. Okay. And after a while, it's always like this memory is just happy. This memory is just of me being angry or fearful. Okay. okay. And then after time, she realizes that like you can there's a blend to it. So, like, something can be sad, but also can be, like, a good thing. So, it's a very happy memory. Okay. So, like, even, like, even when I moved, it was, in the present moment, it was very it was very upsetting. I was, like, outside the front porch, and I was, like, I was sobbing. I was, like, I, I, like, I want to leave, but it hurts. But now I look back, and I was, like, that is a great memory, because I shared it with my dad. And he, like, we, like, talked about it all night. It was so cool. Is that what that is, the firing together, wiring together? It's, it, it really, in, in essence, more or less, that you, you, you hit the nail on the head, I think, for me, when I explain that, what I want people to understand is two things. Is one is that, especially for adults, like, excuse the, the the euphemism, but as we age, we tend to get very emotionally constipated, right? I, kids, like, <laughs> freely express emotion, yeah. right? They, they When something comes to them, they express it. And then as you become an adult, I think through our tribal conventions, unfortunately, we sort of downplay that and we don't express our emotions as much. But... Emotions are everything. That's kind of what I want people to know. And also the fact that um, that's how you're sealing memories. Why, generally speaking, if you if you can recall something, it either has a really high vibration emotion to it or a low vibration, meaning it was something that was either traumatic or things that are in between. That's why some, when somebody can ask you, like, what did you do this weekend? What did you eat? And you'd be like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. It's like, what did, what did we do this weekend? Because there's not a lot of, firing or emotional connectivity unless it was something really amazing but things that like really really were highs for you or lows for you you can remember because the limbic system is involved and it 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 um will apply um it will capture the emotion and the um experience at the same time and those get fired in your brain the challenge becomes is when when those start to become loops that you can't get out of and that's what that's that's where the that's where the real hacking and the the, the healing can start for people. Is, they need it. When you mean the loop, do you mean like always coming back to the same memory? It, in essence, yes. So the human animal is probably the best I know, not that I can get inside a cat's brain. Not that I would <laughs> want to get inside a cat's brain. That's scary. <laughs> but, um, but as far as I the human animal is the only animal that can take an experience and relive it over and over again. I mean, 
your brain does not know the difference. See, this is the cool thing. The brain does not know the difference between a dog that is going to eat, not your dog, that dog <laughs> but like a dog that would eat you in front of you and a dog that's going to eat you in your mind. To the human brain, it's the same, whether you're actually experiencing it in the real world or experiencing it in your head, right? Really? So, yes. And so what happens for some people and for not for some people, for all of us, is that we take certain um, loops in our brain and we keep rethinking and re re going over those and over those. We add other experiences to this. I got fearful in this situation, so I'll be feel for fearful in this situation, and this situation looks like that. And then those start to go back into our, our reptilian brain or our cerebellum where our operating system is, and now we find ourselves operating from from fear or we get we get we are we react in a certain way yeah. when we get in that situation it almost becomes autonomic and then some people also say then the body starts to get involved because the brain is thinking and the body's feeling and like anytime in this situation my stomach gets upset why would that happen Ava? that doesn't make any sense right it's because the body listens to what the the body feels and listens to what the brain thinks and those two start to get into a loop and then yeah. then you get people who are like you know what um you know, whenever I eat X, I always feel like this, or my knee always aches. And you can, I know this has taken us far out there, but you can actually rewire your brain in a way to help um, fix things that are going on in your body. Well, yeah, because those things are so linked. Like, oh my goodness, the coolest, one of the coolest stories I ever heard was this guy, he was talking about uh, amputees. Okay. People, and this one, and this, uh, he was studying this thing like uh, called like phantom limbs. Have you ever heard of phantom yeah. limbs? Yeah, And yeah. he's like... He had his arm, this man, he had his arm cut off from, like, here down, mm -hmm. but he had a phantom limb. He felt like he could grab something. So he's like, he's like, I can, I can grab that water bottle. He's okay, grab the water bottle. And before he thought he could grab it, he takes it away. Mm -hmm. And the man's reaction was, ow, that hurt. Why? Well, because when you took it away, I was holding the water bottle. Like, it's not there, but it is. Because the brain and the, and the mind are so heavily connected. I think that's so cool. And I know it's like, when you said, um, what was it, the you know, I'll be fearful in this situation, I'll be fearful in that. Are those all same experiences? Like, for kids nowadays, it's like, the, this social this social uh, interaction didn't go well. I'm going to be fearful for the next one. I'm going to be fearful for the next one. Sure. And then it loops back around, and I feel like it's like it's this down spiral of, like, I'm going to isolate myself and not talk to anyone. And I, I want to know how someone can, like, un, like, hack that and come back around from that spiral. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question, and you, you hit it nail on the head. It's, it's about accumulating those experiences, and you start to tr transfer, right? And so what happens is, is that you see something in your present environment, and unconsciously what you do is that you relive, you start to relive that experience projected forward into this, into this moment, right? So as you gather more experiences, you're like, oh, well, this looks the same, and I'll start to isolate myself and so forth. Um, the, 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 the biggest thing that you can do to really to make that hack that leap forward is just to be conscious of the fact that you are doing it. That right there gets not just gets you through the door, but gets you a third of the way down the pathway, right? Is having waking up to the fact that, hey, I am doing this and it, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense, right? If Because the emotional brain is going to go, hey, hey, we're in danger. Hey, hey, we're in danger. Look at me, look at me. You know, I, and it's mm -hmm. a two to three year old kid. The way to hack that as well is is that, as, as corny as this sounds, is, is that you can't, what people end up doing when they get in the situations and they get harder on themselves, right? They're like, man, I'm such a blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and they, they, they internally their dialogue is really demeaning, right? Yeah. But the way, to, the way to hack against that, as corny as this sounds, is to talk to yourself like you're a two or three-year-old kid. Because, <laughs> I do that all the time, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because think about it. I mean, the way, so if a, rhinoc a rhinoceros, when it starts to, this is the way your thoughts work. When a rhinoceros starts to charge, it charges in the direction of whatever it thought was, in the direction of opposite of whatever it was fearful of. The rhinoceros doesn't really charge at you. Its, it's vision is very, very limited. It can't see that far ahead. But it will keep running in the, in the same direction it started until it just loses steam. Your thoughts do the same thing. And what people try to do is they try to stand in front of that rhino. You're just going to get bowled over, or you're going to try to push back. And the more you push back, the more you add to the negative energy that's going on in your brain. But if you just talk to yourself, you talk to yourself in, a, in a way that's conscious and go, calm. Even saying the word calm. Calm. I'm calm. I'm, I'm, everything's safe here. You're fine, you know? 
go to your happy place. I mean, I've even done it in my own neural training. It sounds so weird, but it, it, it really works is to talk to your, to your limbic brain and go and just, you know, call it by whatever name, you know, you want to call it. I, I call mine Limby cause it's short for limbic <laughs> And I just say, I just say baby boy. I just say baby boy, you're fine. I said, go to your room and color. I said, you like that little Merlin hat and the magician? I said, be that magician. Be amazing. Jump from bed to bed right now, right? Go outside and just run in, 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 in the field and chase that butterfly and have a memory. Just come and say, I'm in control. There's nothing to fear here. Yeah. You are okay. Because that's the kind of talking to that the limbic brain needs to calm down and to get back to baseline. Yeah, so like, can you, if you're like an outside person, like say... Like I like I see I see kids like this all the time. Like I want I want to help them, but I feel like you can't say that for them. Be like you're fine, you're calm. Like you have to tell yourself that because that's the only way it's gonna like rewire. Uh, absolutely, you, you you can you can take a stand for people and you can model energy. So what you were talking about in the in the the phantom limb thing, there's actually a guy by the name of Dr. Norman Doidge. He wrote a book called The Brain That Changes Itself, and he went all around the country to 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 neuroscientists that were doing things that, that you're talking about, and they, these these motor neurons actually they're not motor neurons, mirror neurons actually mirror what we see. So when you're sitting across from somebody and somebody's takes a deep breath you feel that sense you feel that sense of relaxation right you tend to feel or somebody's yeah. laughing you just want to laugh too you don't even know yeah. somebody just comes in that's why laughter yoga works really well which is another thing um, awesome. you just start laughing laughing for no reason um, other people start laughing it's our mirror neurons and so you can't teach somebody to be in that space but you can model it energetically I would do that with my kids they would be really upset and I would be tense and um, disheveled myself and I try to deal with them and they would get more tense and disheveled but I was calm I'd take a breath I'd say calm to them I would model calm I'm telling you like a baby whisper sometimes I would it would even do some of my my neural retraining with them but I do it in their <laughs> language I give them a little memory and something to think about I'm not saying it works 100% of the time but it is remarkable what what mirroring would do for people right that's that's awesome because even when you like took a deep breath, I wanted to do it too. Like, it's just that it's just that incredible. It's right. just so crazy like that. I love that. <laughs> so you can, so you can train again. I love the I, I love thinking about the brain so much, and I love these hacks because we're gonna you're gonna better yourself regardless. So like, how? Oh, I like I had like so many I had so many questions for you. And they're all blanking. Well, one thing I wanted to say is like so you're talking about how you can model. Have you ever been around somebody? Um, that when you're around them, you're just like, I just like who they are, right? What What's coming off yes. of them is just, of course, I'm sure you, when you're sitting next to me that I'm that example, of course, right? <laughs> uh-huh. you, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. um, um, but, it, but we've all been around those people that, and from my book, the, the, the most amount, the person who needs to advertise the least and you understand them the most without them saying anything is the most powerful, right? They just yeah. walk into a room and they carry a certain energy. How, oh, yeah. is, how is that? I mean, is there like some weird Star Wars juju that we're not aware of, right? Yeah, use the force, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but 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 in the real sense, in the real sense, it's like how do some people embody that so well? It's yeah. it's it's the way that they've they've consciously thought and trained their own brain and so that shows us when, when you say how you can help people that shows us is that if you work on the inner remodeling of who you are and how you think and 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 shepherd your own thoughts you can have an amazing impact on people without really even saying or doing very much at all that's that's powerful regardless because i know you do like public speaking so mm-hmm. even that can like affect hundreds of thousands of people even like especially through video oh my goodness so what are some other things that people really struggle with? Because it's like, because we talked about living the past or living in the future. We mm-hmm. talked about like getting in that loop of, of an emotion and, you know, not, not performing any function well because of that. What's something else that people struggle I think, with? I think, I think the thing that um, people really struggle with is comparison and judgment, right? Comparison yeah. and judgment. So, so again, um, getting back to where we exercise biological forgiveness, when you walk into a room or when you're sitting somewhere and somebody walks up to you and they get close. Most of the time we don't get really close to someone when we walk up to somebody new. We give them a certain amount of space. Why is that? Because your brain is categorizing and taking all this input primarily for one reason and one reason only, to make sure that you're safe, right? 
We live in a world now that's been safer than it ever has been in human history. Yet, the number of people that feel like they're in anxiety or that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, that opinion is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not really reality. So, but it's it, the brain's natural function is to take input, categorize it, and compare it. What does this look like to what I've seen before? What category does this belong into? And am I safe, right? So I'm saying this is a natural function of the brain. So now layer this on a society, right, where every commercial you see is about what you're wearing and what you're front in and what you got on and what you look like. And then you get onto social media and who's got the coolest Instagram photo and where were they and, you know, and what they're doing. And they seem like they have a happy life and they're, hey, they're taking pictures with people. Why am I not invited? Blah, blah, blah. And that becomes comparison and judgment, comparison. And it becomes a very vicious cycle in your brain, right? And so you're, you, you, um, the, the, the challenge is, is that, is that because your brain sees that, that comparison and judgment, it starts judging you. You're judging yourself, right? When you do, so anytime you're doing comparison judgment on somebody else, you're really judging yourself and you do it in a way that, that keeps building this loop or this wall in your brain higher and higher. And people struggle with that comparison judgment. I would say that's a big, huge yeah. concern, especially with social media today. Not to vilify it, but you know, that's oh, just no. the way it is. No, of course. Like, I mean, I have a, I go to like a couple of youth groups and they're lovely girls. You know, one of the days they talked about like self-judgment and all these, all these girls are like, I can't seem to not compare myself to other people. And again, it, it's, it's no fault of their own because you know, you want to be, you want to be good. I feel like most of the time it bases, we have that comparison for one, a primal sense of like, am I safe? Right. It's like, am I safe in this society? Not even like of like, you're fearful of harm, but like rejection, isolation, um, like not being outcast if you're fearful of that. Oh, for sure. So, so you, you, you want to stay in that. But again, you, you it's hyperactive, it, not hyperactive, but it's like, it's hyper to the point of like, my hair, my clothes, even though those like hardly have an effect, you know, on who you are as a person. And I feel like that's going to really diminish the, the personality of the person. And, and, and that's not helpful at all. So how would you, how would you hack that? Yeah. Comparison and judgment is one of those things, um, that's our brain is naturally set in there to do, you know? Um, the analogy I like to sometimes give is that you have to kind of be your own um, Sherpa. You know, are you familiar with this term Sherpa? What it is? Okay. So a Sherpa is like somebody that you hire. Like if you go climbing in the mountains and you need a guide to, to show you the way and they have the mule with supplies on it, they're going to be that person to, 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 to help. So so you need to be your own Sherpa and, and just basically be shepherding the thoughts. Like, So it's a challenging thing to start with, but if you think about it, don't just allow any thoughts or um, any feelings just to enter your brain and, and run around in there unchecked, right? It, it's, a, it's a matter of going, checking in with yourself and going, why am I thinking this right now? Or, or, or even better, even better is, what am I thinking right now? And being that metacognitive, mindful person, just having a neutral observer and that this is the, the this is like like a catch 22 is that to really get rid of the comparison and judgment you need to not you don't need to it would be helpful to if you were like could observe what was going on in your brain from a non-judgmental standpoint so probably the first step in, in somebody's is just being okay with the fact that you have all this crap going on that would be like one small step instead of going Oh, it's this and it's that and I, you know, oh, I can't get it out of my head. Just take a moment and go, you know what? Whatever's going on with me right now, I completely accept this. Even saying those words out now, I am completely accepting of who I am, what I'm thinking, and how I'm feeling right now. If you could say that, that would start to release that. That because because the the the, the comparison and judgment that people feel is all about they're saying, oh is all about the judgment on themselves. And if you could come to a place where you could say out loud, so that's part of a, a big neuro, a neuro reprogramming or rewiring technique is that to say it out loud. The next level up would be to actually feel the acceptance. Go, you know what? Neil, I love who you are. I love who you are and you are amazing. In that moment, even if you don't feel it, who cares? But by saying that and saying it out loud, you're giving your brain a chance to hear it and start to start a new new tape loop in your head. Yeah, and I feel like that can even calm you down. 
For sure. Yeah, and the point, the part that I, like, how do I, it's, it's that, you know, feeling, that feeling good, and that's accepting it, and being okay with it, and being like, okay, you're good, but then you'd want to progress too, because I, I, you know, I'm okay with where I am, and I'm like, okay, cool, I like, I like this, but you always want to be better, and especially right now, we're facing, not facing this time, but we're in this area of complacency. Mm -hmm. People go, people go, I I like who I am and I'm not going to change. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Cool. But where you are right now, isn't that good? So if uh, if the the best I can give is like, um, you know, that girl, that guy who's comparing themselves like, like athletically, a guy's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not Mm -hmm. strong. I'm weak. And if he's like, Oh, I'm content that I'm weak. That's, that's good. I'm okay with that. That's, that's awesome. But wouldn't you want them to progress? Then how do you how do you mentally push that person in order to like be bettering themselves? And that is another great question. And people often think about, oh, well, if I do this mindfulness, if I tell myself that I'm I, I like who I am right now, then I'm just gonna get complacent and I won't have a drive. Total bullcrap as well. Really? Yeah, abs- absolutely. That that's just old school old school thinking. Um, because we've, we've, we, we become addicted to our own echoes, right? Become addicted to our own thought process. That's, a, that's, a, it's a, that's another thing to become aware, become aware of is that just because you're thinking something over and over doesn't make it right. It's just, it's just you have an addiction to your own way of thinking. And one of our addictions is, is that, okay, if we're hard on ourselves or we whip ourselves or we tell us, get up and, and get going, you know, you got to get your blanking gear, right? That's the way to motivate. Um Gosh, I'm spacing her name. Um, she's it's not Brene Brown. I can't think. Of, it doesn't matter. But um, she actually she's a psychologist and an author. I'll think of it later. But she's actually done some great studies. And I think the answer is uh, the difference between self esteem and self compassion. So so self 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 esteem is like is more a narcissistic thing, right? It's like, how do I look in the selfie? How do I, you know, do I look good compared to other people? But the challenge with self-esteem is self-esteem leaves you in your failures and in your imperfections. When you're really failing or things aren't going for you, well, what they found is that when people who work on self-compassion and work on being compassionate themselves, they actually are more, more motivated, they are more productive, and they actually get, um, they actually, um, have, are better in a productive in a work environment for the people around them than people who are focused on self-esteem. That's awesome. Do you think that's because they have a good foundation of who they are? You have a good centerness, and then from that you can go forward. Uh, absolutely, it, it comes to the to the to the adage that you cannot you cannot give what you are unwilling to give yourself. Right? Yeah. If you're unwilling to be compassionate to yourself, unwilling to pay into yourself, then it's really hard to give. And you see those people out there who are giving all the time, but they're empty inside right because they they you have to charity starts at home i say that to my wife i kind of joke with her a little bit but it really does i mean we we don't have a good tribal convention on how to receive we're not taught this i mean think about it in school whatever else does anybody ever teach you how to receive other than when you're a really little kid and somebody might pay you a compliment and then somebody will say somebody rhetorically will prompt the little kid to go they said oh you're so cute or you're you're really smart they'll say what do you say right but beyond that, we're never really taught how to receive. And in fact, we kind of vilify this receiving thing. It's like, you shouldn't receive, you should give. But, yeah. but to be able to receive, give, this is a, one other test I give people. Give, try giving an adult, like an adult, a compliment. Like another adult compliment. Like in the corporate world, it used to happen to me all the time. Give somebody a compliment and they go, well, you know, um, I got lucky. You know, it was a team effort, blah, blah, blah. And I call it the three phases of shun, like S-U-H-N, <laughs> deflection, rejection and qualification because they're doing everything they can to remove themselves from from the compliment and again because we're not tribally taught it's good to receive and it's good to pay into yourself yeah because you know i've always that and from a social standpoint you don't you don't you almost don't want to i've noticed especially with you know girls be like you look you look so pretty no because one if you say that you know they go you quote quote mean girls you think you're pretty you do, like you're confident in yourself you like yourself and then it's like and it, it can be so many other things people think you're conceited or people think you're full of yourself right if you, yeah. if you take a compliment yeah yeah and it's and it's almost like how do i because <clears throat> again there's like there's there's so many outlets you can go through this and because you know you do want to detach yourself but you also don't want to take credit for these things um 
how would I? I don't know how I'd put it, but I think you hit. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a a very prevalent culture of this of this self esteem thing. So it's really hard at first to go. Okay, I'm gonna be compassionate for myself. I'm gonna be in a moment of my failure. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna get. There's a difference between that complacency. I'm gonna say to myself. I'm gonna release the tension. Here's the operative word: is that in self esteem, there's a is this tension because. I don't want anything to go wrong because if it did, then how do I account for that? And I don't know how to deal with that internally and I can't show anybody that, right? But in self-compassion, you go, you know what? People mess up. Pick yourself up. You're fine. So what? You you, you, you screwed it up. Get up and do it yeah. again. You're fine. But you have the compassion to tell yourself that, yeah. right? Because when you, oh my goodness, I read this, I read this book in Spanish because it's Spanish class. Marianella, she believed that she was, you know, that she was, you know, ugly, but she, yeah. there was this, there was this boy, he was blind, and, you know, he really liked her. And he's like, you're, you know, you're lovely. You're beautiful. No, I'm not. You're, you're a kind person and, and I enjoy you so much. I'm so grateful to you. No, no, you're, I'm, I'm horrible and I'm hideous. You never allow yourself to love yourself. Oh, and if you, love and yes, if you, yes, perfect. And seriously, and if you don't love yourself, you are going to reject any other love that anyone else gives you. Even when it comes down to compliments, you know, you, you did such a good job in business. No, I didn't. It was my, it was my team. Sure. It can be a hum, like humbling. That's great for your team, but you have to like understand the fact that you did this. Like, um, David Goggins, he's so cool. Um, he's like this, he might as well be like Batman. This guy is like extremely, oh yeah, he's like, he went through like hell week for Navy SEALs like three times over. He's done these like incredible marathons. Okay. He's, and he had this compare, like he had this thing called the cookie jar. And every time things were going tough and things were going bad, he's like, I just go to the cookie jar. In his mind, he go, who, who suffered all these things? I did. Who accomplished all these things? I did. Look how great I am. I can do this. I can beat this next thing. And no one, and because no one does that and you don't allow yourself to think that you're like amazing, you, you don't continue the next amazing thing or you don't think you, you know, you can. So you just kind of stay back and you don't want to, things like that. The, I love what you said. I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, the brain, the brain has this really, anno- for me, it's kind of annoying thing that what, doesn't line up with what it already knows it will quickly dismiss so what happens is is that we end up like um dismissing our successes quickly because we spend more time on our we spend a lot of our bandwidth on the negatives and what we didn't do well and what didn't go right and again it's been shown um on a neuroscientific basis that our brain inherently has a negative bias it has a bias for i mean have you ever watched mean tweets by Jimmy Kimmel, right? I mean, <laughs> how, how, like, mean uh, people are negatively biased, right? Yeah. So, um, where was I going with this? You were, you were talking about... Um, people, you know, you... Uh, wait, how do you put it? You know, because you don't love yourself, you deject love. You don't want to. You don't want to, and you started talking yes, about how... Yes, yes. And so, yeah. so, so, so the way to... Another hack, to, a simple hack, and, and actually... <laughs> I preach this, but full admission, I'm a very transparent person. I, I This is not something I do well, is to record your successes on a daily basis and to speak your successes out loud, even if it's about getting out an email that you want to get out and saying yes after you get the email yeah. out, but actually doing a, 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 and not editing what you think a success is too, by the way, because that's also comparison judgment. Really? Well, I'm not going to write this one down because it's not a success. Why isn't it a success? Because... You're comparing it to what other people have done. Write your successes yeah. down, and then look at those when you're in those when you're in that state of that abyss, right? Yeah. Or um, another one I like is even a success pyramid. Write all the things that you've accomplished in a pyramid fashion, and then the one that you want to accomplish next, you write at the top of the pyramid, right? And you use that to metaphorically and fit and in your mind stand upon that and see off that hey, this is totally doable by me. Yeah, and not only that, like, I I remember, I don't remember who was talking about it, but, like, on a neurological level, you know, you have the receptors, the dopamine receptors, and so if you remember all the goals that you had, or, like, you keep accomplishing little doable goals, like, you know, little successes, you'll have this cookie cookie jar of, like, I can do this, and you have more dopamine that you can easily be taken in, but I feel like it's, is it easier to have, like, um, what are, what are neurochemicals that, like, uh, receive like negativity. What are those neurochemicals? What are the receptions of that? You know, I, I don't don't know it at that level. That what what receive receive negativity. What I can say is is that there are definitely de- 
spending your time in positive thinking, spending your time in visualizations are the ones that are releasing all the good neurochemicals. Um, you know, uh, that'd be an interesting piece of research for me to do is that how do we lay down, how do we lay down these negative, quote unquote, negative neurons or negative, negative paths in our brain? I'm not, I'm not certain. I, I, I think from a neuroscientific standpoint, there's not going to be a big difference between a neural tract that captures a negative memory or a positive experience, you know, but it's the emotion and it's the release of neurochemicals when you relive it. That's the most important thing. The other hack in, in rewiring the brain is to actually give yourself um, positive experiences over and over again. So what does that look like? So um, I, I said this in a, one of the talks and I was like, is positive thinking enough? And it's a start, but the, the challenge is, is that if you just if you just go, you know what, I can do this, right? That's not enough. You need to associate it with an emotion. So so then you associate it with with let's say um, a feeling of, of of joy or happiness, right? And you do that, and you, you say I am enough, and you say that in that moment. But that's still not enough because you need to visualize it. So a lot of athletes talk about visual. You're you're a swimmer, right? Mm-hmm. You do visualization and what you do. Not only that, like if I'm because I'm a butterfly, right? That right. is. That is the only stroke I feel most powerful. I feel like I'm using all my energy. I'm hitting the water. So instead of me like seeing and visualizing that I'm doing that, I'm not only visualizing. I'm like, I'm in that moment. I feel it. I feel every. I feel every pull. I feel every stroke. I feel the water, and more or less, I emphasize the power that I feel that I have. Mm-hmm. And that makes that actually that makes me want to go. It makes me want to swim. That's why I've. That's one of the reasons I stick so much with it because it's that. It's that such that feels so good to have that visualization. Yeah, and that that's perfect. I mean, but you could you could take that same thing that you're doing that you that power that feel that that greatness that you feel. And what if what if you just were sitting in this chair, but you were talking through the experience and you were having it. You said and you're like the water temperature, and I can smell the chlor- chlorine, and I can <laughs> feel my body, and oh I can so I, and my and my stroke feels so strong. I feel like you know. I feel like, you know, like a, like a cougar clawing against the <laughs> cement. I'm like just pulling forward. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm cranking on this, right? Yeah. You feel the power and you do that for a sustained amount of time. Let's say for f- three to five minutes, that's rewiring in a nutshell, my friend. That, so, so in that, pro- in that process, what is physically happening is your brain is re- releasing good neurochemicals. You, that's why the limbic system is the alchemist of your brain. It's releasing all these good neurochemicals, and it's forming a new pathway. So what happens is, is those pathways that don't serve you, the, like the ones for fear and other things, mm-hmm. as you do this more and more, they physically retreat. There are dendrites. There are connections to other neurons, and they, they call this process pruning. They actually prune back, and you do it over time. So... People will rewire for, let's say, they rewire for a stomach issue or for anxiety or for too much comparison. But what happens is, is you get a lot of other benefits along the way because rewiring isn't like putting a puzzle piece together where you know exactly what you're putting together. When you're rewiring, you just start to get other things. It's like all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I just feel more calm. I feel more happy every day. You know yeah. what? I used to be allergic to bell peppers. They would always hurt my stomach. And now I can eat them and they don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. They can get all kinds of awesome additive benefits as you rewire for, you think you're rewiring for one thing, but the brain's not that clear. It's not like this road waste is talking about Neil's fear of, you know, whatever, um, being more abundant, right, in his life and getting to the next level with his business. I'm going to just rewire that one. You re- end up rewiring a lot of other things as a result. That's so, that's so cool. <laughs> like, that's so cool. You have no, that's so... I love it. I know, I, so I know, right? You're making me excited about it all over so, again. So, like, is that when you when you have it, like that sense of you know taking taking those positive experiences, like uh, again the the swimming, the feeling powerful, remembering the success you did, and then applying it to a new situation, and that is that is that what internal motivation is? Because well, not internal motivation, but like having a drive. Because motivation is that like in the moment, like I'm gonna do it, and right, then right. ten minutes later, you're like. No, (laughs) I don't want to anymore. This this sucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so is that like, is that rewiring or that like, you know, that remembering this, building a drive and then going? Yeah, you know, I I don't remember if it was one of of your um, dad's videos or something, a comment he talked about drive or something like that. What I I can say is, is that um, motivation, like um, 
well, what I can say is that, that as you add these positive effects and your brain tends towards a less of a negative bias, you're going to be more motivated to do things, right? Yeah. Um, could you build motivation through a rewiring process? Wow, that's a really good question, Ava, you asked. Um, my overall feeling is yes, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be, like, perfectly... Because there's not... There's, like like... There's not like a emotion of motivation that's like pure, right? So you would just be getting rid of those things that are standing in your way and you would feel more motivated. Could you go through visualizations where... Um, so this is the other freaky thing. And this, go, this goes to... Um, if you haven't watched this video, I'll actually loan you the disc. You will love this. You would eat this up. You may have already seen it. It's called What the Bleep Do I Know? Wait, no, wait. Is, what, is it What Do We Do Now? No, it's, it's, it's What the Bleep Do I Know? And it's like four hours of these physicists talking about the universe and things but in a way that that will blow your mind because it links into consciousness right? i had i think i think it was um i don't want i don't want to check my notebook but like alita mcdaniel she's someone else i had in the podcast i think she recommended that documentary to me okay and she's like you she's like you will love this i watch this and it like it, it's so powerful oh, so I, I will if you don't have it i mean i know nobody plays dvds anymore mine's been sitting on a shelf for a while we but got it. we got that oh, yeah, i'll like yeah, i'll yeah. like have a i'll have a field day just uh, like yeah I'd love to watch it. I want to watch it again, but, but basically what I'm saying to you is, is that, is that what I've experienced in my own life, like when I do vision, so when I do visualizations and I do visualizations about things that I want, I do visualizations about things that never even happen. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is people like, Oh, you have to do a past visualization or past Mm -hmm. success. You can do anything you want, whether it's happened or not, so long as you get into the emotion. But the funnest, most amazing thing about visualization is doing a visualization about something that you want in your life and then seeing that bad boy manifest and coming true and working out almost exactly the way you planned it. That, I mean, I'm going to keep it clean here, but that is like, (laughs) yeah, it's like unbelievable, like, like, you know, top of the key, shadow the backboard kind of feeling because you're like, wow, I thought about this i visualized this and now i am in this moment living it out right and i do those visualizations for my future and i'm telling you you can pull your future into the present by doing that's almost euphoric because that's like that's one of the biggest reasons why i want to create something because again like we're on a podcast we're also recording video like that's creating to me that's cool but like i want to i want to like something tangible i want to like i want to make something i feel like that would be so cool to have something in your mind and then you just project it into reality like like it's so powerful and I feel like not only is it powerful it's like euphoric and addictive that's why a lot of like the kids I know who like to build things they can't get enough of it they want to constantly learn they want to constantly build absolutely and, and, and if you think about it from a neuro, neuroscientific perspective it makes sense because basically what you're doing is since we can't access the conversations our operating system here what you're doing is you're having conscious thought and you're firing that with an emotional experience and that keep that gets pushed down into your operating system. You keep doing that over time, you're hacking your operating system basically. And so if this is the reason, this is the basic reason why we do something and why we go after certain things and don't go after certain things. You're basically hacking into the system. You're like the ultimate hacker. You're putting in a good virus instead of a bad one, right? One that will replicate certain things that you want. And then you find yourself being motivated. You find yourself being attracted. You find yourself just meeting people. And these 13 months of since I've jumped off the corporate ship and just decided I'm just going to free fall into the, this entrepreneurship, I've done so many amazing things that I never thought I would do, right? But I just put it out there. And some of it was scare, scary. Yeah. I went to scarcity and my wife and I were like, oh, blank, what did we just do to our lives, right? But it's been amazing, right? This simple fact of sitting here in your home doing this podcast, right? This w- wasn't available to me 13 months ago, but now it's today. Actually, I do want to talk about these things because I want to know, like, because uh, you, you're building these companies up and you're you're doing all these speaking gigs. Like, can you can you please tell some of these stories or talk about all that you're doing? Sure, sure. I can kind of give you like a an, an overview. So, so at first I was kind of, I, admittedly, I was kind of a little bashful about this because it was like. What do I call myself, right? Because people want like a, they want a card or a name or a title, what you do. And it seemed like I was everywhere. And I kind of was for a while, just exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was okay with it. I wrote, read an article. I don't know where it was. But it was like, it talked about the new economy. And it's like, it talked about 
career slash gig slash gig. Like a lot of people are doing this, they also do this, and they also do this, right? They have the side hustle, you know, that term is pretty familiar to all of us yeah, by yeah. now. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, so I'm in partnership, um, I have a part equity stake, and I run day-to-day operations of a proactive wellness ball called um, Feel Good Now. And um, basically, we focus on um, um, nutritional therapy. So it's basically saline bags, IV bags, but it's full of the vitamins and minerals that you would get from food. Um, naturopaths have been using this. This is pioneered in the 60s, and they are using this to fight cancer, to help with Crohn's, chronic Lyme, macular, macular degeneration, degeneration of your eyesight. Our, our clientele is more athlete, middle of the road, too much, too much weekend, too much business, too much mothering, you know, we're not, so we have clients more than we have patients, but it's really powerful stuff. And I, um, about two years ago, I got, um, again, through amazing connections, got hooked up with this guy named Matt Hasbrook, and he's been an awesome business partner. We have a, a chief medical officer because everything, all of this has to be run through, right, um, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a medical person but I have a medical background I went to medical school for two and a half years took a leave of absence so it was and I worked in bio and pharma as a business development guy for a long time I kind of did like secret ops kind of stuff you know um, things that I couldn't couldn't be mentioned to the public that's kind of what I kind of stuff I worked on um, helped other businesses <laughs> do their business and so it was a perfect fit for me because I had also had taken IVs uh, as part of my own health journey so that's, that's one business. And then my brother and I have a social app media company. It's called Seismic Vision, which that's not as important. And we have two apps out there. The one that's most prevalent is Icebreaker. Yeah. And it's I-C-E-B-R-8-K-A-R, K-R, rather. Um, <laughs> and um, it basically gives you the opportunity to be social. What we looked in the marketplace is we're like, most social media, well, almost all social media isn't really social. Yes. You're doing it in isolation from afar most people are you're using their um their excess time to just look and see, and see what everybody else is doing but how do you meet people and if you're out i was in airports 80 percent of the time and everybody's doing this they're they have their phone in front of their face and i was like i'm the guy who will poke people and go hey you what do you do right i'll like disrupt that pattern um but for most of us we're like we're in our front of phones like and people want to place this at the millennials feet Again, bullcrap. Adults spend 41% of their time in front of a screen. Go to any co-working space, like all the speakeasies. Everybody's doing this. There's there's not networking being done there. Everybody's looking at their phone on their computer. Yeah, yeah. So we gave people a 100-yard radius. We discover in real time, real human connections, real line of sight. The app gives you the ability to start the awkwardness of the hello because what's the hardest part of saying hello to somebody? Walking up and going... I don't know you, but hi. <laughs> yes, yeah. For It has always been awkward, let's be honest, right, for yeah. most people. But now it's become more awkward. So our app allows you a certain number of volleys back and forth, and the algorithms then, um, at a certain number of back and forth, ask you to meet, or you have to move on to the next person. So, um, so we've been launched since May, and we've done an incredible number of things in there. Got mentioned the Huffington Post, was a VIP at a tech conference, you know, um, um, got wrote up in the Carmel Current, and we, we even talked to the NBA about a version to um, help people who are in the suites, like the club level, to, for help those people network because they're usually nice. people of influence. That so, um, and we're 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 getting our paperwork together to talk to investors. So we're at that point where you know we're all self funded, where we're and those conversations are ongoing and seem to look That's very so positive. Cool. So yeah, we have another app um, that basically does the same thing that Instagram did, but for the activity, all our apps are kind of low noise, low throughput. So the very light interface, we want people to get in and get connected. So, and then, um, speaking coaching thing is I've been doing all my life, Ava. I've been doing it since I probably was five years old. My dad tells a story when my brother and I were playing with trucks and I, he, my brother was unhappy and I just looked over at him and I said, can't you just be happy with what you have? And my dad was like, what, what are you? Yeah. And so, so that, my dad and I bonded over ideas and thoughts, not over football. He kind of, you know, pushed me and asked me to think in a certain way. And um, and so I found myself when I was in my business travels, just always co- coaching people to the next thing in their life. I cried with people on planes. I've People asked me to call their son or daughter and talk to them about what I, what I talked to them, about, what I talked to their parent about on a plane. You know, I've had 
a six foot nine guy from Ghana lift me out of his cab and give me a hug, you know, and say thank you for being in my cab today. Because my real goal is passionate, positive impact, right? How can I make a difference, right? Because being on the road sucks. Traveling, yeah. business traveling, but the way I could stay alive was to. So now I've sort of formalized this and done some speaking gigs here in Indianapolis, some some TED like talks, and um, I'm working on um, uh, some coaching clients. I call them mind mentoring, really, because that's my emphasis. So that's that's so incredible. Like like the the feel good now. I think that's such a cool concept. You, the instead of IVs, all these things that can really help people. The nutritional, because I really do like nutrition, and that has such a powerful effect because a lot of doctors, they fi- they go, this is the body, the body, the body. I can give you, ph- like, pharmaceuticals. I can give you pills. But a lot of a lot of things is, is nutrition. It's the microbiome. It's keeping that healthy. And the things you're probably providing your clients is is that healthiness that they need and not a fecal transplant. <laughs> you're all... I'm, I'm impressed that you know, even know that. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, well, you know Naveen Jain? No. Navin, oh, I you you might like what Navin Jing does. He's this, he's so he's so cool. He um, he takes on so many projects, and he's like he's a multi billionaire. He's okay. a billionaire. So he's like he's so he's always so curious, and he has like um Moon Express. Uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to mess it up. I think it's like Moon Express or Express. Okay. And he's like, we're gonna be the first, like private company to go to the moon. We are because I'm going to harvest minerals from the moon. Or like, or like, you know, anything good. Okay. He's like, or, I think it's energy. Again, I haven't done a lot of research on what he's done. Okay. And he's done it. He's okay. doing it right now. And now he's, and he goes, okay, that's cool. That's one company. He's like, you know, this is really cool. The microbiome. And he's like, I'm going to make it so that, you know, health, like, so illness is a choice. It's going to be a choice. And he's currently working. Like, he's so, he's so cool. And wow. he has all the money in the world to do it. Wow. Um, I feel bad for not diving into more of his work. I probably should, but he's he's doing crazy things like that so i learned a little bit about the microbiome from him um then he's like and he talked a little about fecal transplants he's like that's why you have that's why they use poop because from a from a person who's healthy because their microbiome's good right your sucks having those having that bacteria inside like you know in your body is awesome that's why like even the what i've noticed a lot is like the kids that have the clean houses at a young age mm-hmm. they have so many allergies and you know because they've never been exposed to things and my parents let me run around and eat dirt the so health, <laughs> the healthiest kids some of the healthiest kids come from farms where there's just in, in, in eating dirt is actually a good thing <laughs> it, it really is a, it's been proven because like you can get you can get um my uh, probiotics that they're all from soil Right, yeah. so that was the whole the whole emphasis of eating dirt. In fact, my dad was cracks. I mean, cracks me up because my dad is like really this very impressive person that blasted out of India from a dirt floor farm. Literally, his father was like you know ninth grade educated. His mother died in his adolescence, but somehow he managed to get like a doctor of veterinary medicine from India, and he came here and got a PhD in genetics. So he's always reading. But my two year old, my Jayla's always got her finger in her nose, and then she'll put it in her mouth, right? <laughs> and my dad goes, "Let her do it." He goes, "That's." Helping out, just helping out her, her gut flora. He's like, I'm just yeah. like, okay, dad, let her eat her burgers. <laughs> like, so I'll, trust, I'll trust, I'll <laughs> trust. So, it's so, it's so funny. I love that because even our neighbors, they're we they have triplet girls and one boy. I feel bad for him. It's yeah. So, but um, they're like they're they're so young and the mother, she's so nice. I love Miss Kara. Like she'll just let them run outside and do whatever with like awesome. you know with bare feet and everything. And she's like. Oh good, it's fine, and they're being raised so well like that because it's not the protection, it's not that they keep things clean, it's so cool. And then the icebreaker thing, actually, so one, I think that's amazing, and the fact that it's going Thank that you. far, so cool. I want, I'm so curious to see like where that goes, especially we're with at, the we're other at IU Purdue and at Central University of Michigan. We've got three business run kind of student groups or business run kind of student groups engaged helping us spread it in each campus. So yeah, it's that's incredible. So cool. And yeah. then so like when you when you get into the app is it like this person and does it give like a little background of who they are and then you can meet them if you want because like because right. if, if this is targeted to like adults and college kids and i'm like a 16 year old child uh-huh. i might be a little lenient but i still want to try it sure try icebreaker so what would what would what does it look like so yeah so it's it's basically we've kept it as simple and clean as possible and the sort of misleading thing about the interface is it seems very simple but it took us two years able to do this i mean it's, it was and we spent six months on like basically making it you know so that it's safe and and comfortable to use right um and so um 
there are only basically two main screens. There is a list view where you have user where you have a uh, ice ice users, and then you have a map view where you can see people's location, right? But there are three levels of comfort. You don't have to have your pin on the map at all, but you can still participate. You can have a pin, but it's anonymous, so you don't even know who that pin is. Or um, you can turn on your pin. There's a little smiley face, and that actually, when the user zooms in, they can see that that pin is is your little icon or whatever you've chosen for your for your profile. Um, but that actually self-releases it. Your, it releases itself if you move more than 0.25 miles in any direction. So then there are many other things that go go into that. Um, but but that's the interface. Now this is our MVP, our minimal viable product. Mm -hmm. You know, all self-funded. We especially my brother is relentless about thinking about revisions and things that we think will help people stay more engaged. Um, and that's why we're looking for funding right now. But but one of the things that we didn't want to do is. And we're getting really good feedback on, and we're we're targeting right now, you know, college kids and millennials, people in in your generation yeah, yeah. too, for sure. Is that is just is there's not a bunch of data mining. It's not there's no, there's not a bunch of pictures on it. It's just you log in and you you get going right, and you don't even invite your friends to it because it's whoever is in that hundred yard radius with you. So so you can't become reliant on just the f three or four people that you always hang out with anyway. Yeah, that's the that's a, like a, such a problem for kids. Um, maybe more people than that, but like, especially when I, think I for a lot of people. I know, cause even, like when I walked into like random settings and I was the only one, I was like, okay, that's fine. But every time I, I, I promise you, even like going to the bathroom, I had friends that were like from the cafeteria to the bathroom, they go, can you come with me? I don't want to, I don't want to be alone. <laughs> like there's no point to that. There's no point to that. Sure. But you know, regardless, uh, ooh, wait, we're a little time, but thank you. So, thank you so much for being, oh, for being able to talk. Awesome. It honestly meant the world to me. Yes. And I hope that everyone checks out all of these cool things you're doing and learns what, and learns about the brain more and wants to go out and study. Cause I sure as heck do. But it's been a really privilege to be here, Ava. Thank yeah, you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendations for future guests, please email me at agwetrick at gmail.com.